Well, hello, hello, hello. Greetings. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries. Welcome you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. We are resuming our study in Romans chapter number 1, and we will pick back up at verse number 29. And that's Romans chapter number 1, verse number 29. And I want to just go back and reiterate from, from context. We've covered a lot of ground, uh, the entire, uh, most of the first chapter of Romans. But I want to highlight some key verses that I believe are key and important and significant. Number one is verse 18. Verse 18 sets the context and the thought pattern for the entire chapter. Everything that stems from 18 all the way up until the 31st verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 34, it builds off of verse 18, okay? Or in other words, everything that proceeds after verse 18 all the way up until 31 is talking about what was stated in verse 18. And so the subject matter at hand is what the anger or what the wrath of God is released, expressed, uh, illuminated or revealed from heaven against, okay? And those two things in verse 18 were all ungodliness, if you dare say that out loud, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, okay? And then the Bible in that particular verse, verse 18, gives a characteristic about these people. They are those who hold the truth in unrighteousness, okay? And then as we're we're going on, it goes on to say that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, okay? Uh, other key verses in that particular text was verse 21. They knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful. It became vain or unprofitable in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then we remember uh, we spoke about three things that God gave them up to. Verse 23, I'm sorry, verse 24, he gave them up to uncleanness. Verse 26, he gave them up unto vile affections. Okay. And in verse number 28, he gave them over. So two times God gave them up to things that they were set on doing. And in verse number 28, we say that God gave them over or God stepped out of the way. And he allowed them to continue in what the Bible calls a reprobate mind. And so verse 29 uh, that we began to build on last week, uh, we began to go in depth about just key characteristics about each particular condition that God's wrath is revealed from heaven against in our day. And the reason that this is so important is because we have to understand that not everything that happens to people is from the devil. Uh, not everything that uh, people experience um, is from the devil. Sometimes it's the fruit of their actions. Sometimes it's time and chance. Sometimes it is the enemy and demonic forces. Uh, but in other situations, it is what the Bible calls the wages or the payment for their sins or transgression. Okay, uh, which means that you know when we walk in unrighteousness or ungodliness, unrepentant, uh, and not repenting and breaking free from those cycles and habits and dispositions and we don't bring those things under the blood, then at some point, heaven itself will release a judgment against the unrighteousness that we are participating in, okay? Uh, the unrighteousness that we're participating in. 
And that is the balance between, um, I guess, the love of God as well as the, the righteousness of God and the, the truth of God as well. Uh, God's love, even though it is unconditional, it is also righteous. Okay, It is not in alignment with anything that is outside of love's nature, uh, God's order, character, righteousness, or his way of doing things. And so we're going to pick back up at verse number 29. We got we, we were walking this list down, and we got to um, the particular word in verse 29. We are on malignity, okay, malignity. Now, some of the translations uh, that you may be in, you may not see this word. I'm in the King James Version, and so we're going to uh, go over this word uh, malignity to bring understanding um, of what the judgment of God, the anger of God is released from heaven against. And uh, let me add this uh, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit to help you understand this as well. All these characteristics from verse 29 on down to 32 that we read about, uh, they, they can start out as moral issues or different attributes of wickedness or of sin or ungodliness that have their origin in our flesh, which means that uh, they can have their origin in us as humans, as, as you know, those created in God's likeness and God's image. Uh, these things can exist in us. And then these things can also be, um, there are also demonic beings and demonic entities or demons that also carry the specific character trait and nature of everything that we're reading about it as well, okay? And so with that being said, just as a person can be struggling in their flesh with fornication, there's also a demon of fornication, okay? Just because and a person may be struggling in their heart with wickedness, there's a demon of wickedness, okay? Uh, we can struggle in our flesh with being covetous, and then there is a spirit of covetous, okay? And it's important to understand that because not everything is just flesh and not everything is just demons. Sometimes they are one or the other, and sometimes they are a combination of both, okay? And so this is why we have to always approach um, the Word of God in truth with an open heart um, so that we can be honest about anything that may not be the devil. It may just be the fruit of our own choices or where our own heart and likes and desires are. And then we also have to be honest enough to acknowledge when there's this supernatural edge or force um, that has infiltrated our lives in a particular era. And it's not just natural. When it's overwhelmingly supernatural and it's demonic in addition to any fleshly thing that I have broken agreement with in this particular area. Okay? And so as we look at the word malignity, okay, the word uh, malignity means to be a bad character. Okay, say that with me, a bad character. So to be malignant or malignity means that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against those who are of a bad character. Okay, and sp specifically or specially, it it implies mischievousness, being you know practicing mischief or a person who is mischievous. They're intentionally sneaky um, and and crafty and sneaky and crafty, and they have bad character, okay? And this is why character development is so important, and as Christians and as born-again believers, 
we have to realize that the important, the most important thing that you and I grow in is not our spiritual giftings. It's not our uh, tools and weapons. It's not our anointings. It's not, um, you know, our weapons. You know, those these things are important, and they have their place. But the most important thing that you and I grow in as born-again believers is in our character, in our personality, uh, in our spirit, in our nature. Uh, to grow up in Christ, to begin to think like Christ, talk like Christ, uh, love like Christ, suffer like Christ, uh, obey like Christ, stand still like Christ, and have the heart of Christ in every aspect of life is the most important aim when it comes to calling and purpose-wise that you and I could ever possess. Everything else, gifts, calling, weapons, uh, purpose is built upon that foundation of Christ-likeness. But Christ-likeness in developing good Christian character, being wholesome, and being wholesome in spirit and wholesome in character is the most important calling that you and I could ever, ever possess. Praise God. And so when we look at this, we look at malignity meaning bad character, but it also means pravity of heart. Okay, Even though it's spelled depravity, that D is silent, so it's spelled D-E-P-R-A-V-I-T-Y, but it's pronounced pravity, okay, just with the P, pravity of heart and life, okay. Now, what does it mean to be deprived of something or to be depraved of? It means to, um, to be, it means that a person uh, has something taken from them, okay, to be depraved or something that's held back or kept back, okay. In this case, in the context of this definition of malignity, it's speaking about good character being held back or good character not being present or good character being kept back, okay? Or a heart that is lacking and that does not possess uh, goodwill toward others, okay? You know, when the angels appeared to the shepherds when Christ was born, uh, when they surrounded the shepherds, the first thing that they heralded to the shepherds was uh, peace on earth. And this is what they said after that, and goodwill toward men. Okay? When we don't have a heart to will others good, that means that our heart is depraved of a basic uh, love, value, concern that God has instilled in every human. Um, just, uh, just moral uh, affection. Uh, empathy, concern, value for another human being. And when that is not there and when we begin to ill will or desire ill, that means that the heart is depraved of something that has is basic, okay? It's depraved of something that is God-giving. And it is a basic thing that God placed in every person and in every heart. And when that is no longer present, that character is the default condition that a person's heart and life ends up in, and uh, we become a bad character, and we fall into the uh, mindset or in the condition of malignity, okay? So let's move on down, praise God, to the next word. Whisperers, okay? Say it with me out loud. Whisperers. Remember our context is verse 18, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. So each of these characteristics that we go over, are uh, works of ungodliness and they're works of unrighteousness that uh, that people uh, who persist in are being held accountable 
by heaven for against every day. Okay? All right. So what is a whisperer? Okay? It's not just one that whispers, but a whisperer in this definition is a secret slanderer. Okay? Say that with me, a secret slanderer. Okay? And so whisperers are those who keep their voice quiet. Uh, before the person that they talk about, they talk about, they find a way to use discretion to defame another person, to use discretion to tear down another, to use uh, defession, uh, discretion in order to talk about someone else without them hearing of what them, without them knowing as well. Okay, and so when we when we think of this. Uh, we see that God does not like uh, just the nature of whispers. Okay, I want to also share uh, another definition with you as well. Uh, another word definition for this word whisperer is a detractor, D-E-T-R-A-C-T-O-R, okay, or a calumniator, or no, it's pronounced calumniator. I'm sorry. Calumniator, C-A-L-U-M-N-I-A-T-O-R, okay? And you would be surprised of, of, you know, what this particular word actually means. I'm going to share it with you in here. It means a person who calumniates, which is a word that means to slander, and this is the definition that I want you to hear, or to make a personal attack upon another. Okay? And so we've all seen it, and we've all been around. Uh, if you've been with Zion, you, you, you probably, you've seen me go through it. You've seen others go through it as well. But it's when someone sets out persistently and consistently to attack or to release attacks upon another, to slander, to tear down, okay? Uh, it is an agenda. It is a, uh, a way of, of, of thinking. It is a way of habit. It is a habitual, intentional effort on the part of another to tear a person down or to slander them for the purpose of seeking to destroy them, okay? And that is what the Bible calls a whisperer. Praise God. And again, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, even against whisperers, praise God, and those who launch or who campaign personal attacks uh, against another secretly. Okay, uh, this is called slander. So, you know, always have your ears open, have your guards up, because these are things that, uh, as born again believers and as Christians, we want to stay far from. Uh, we don't want to participate in these things. We don't want to partner with people in these, you know, in these things. We don't want to alliance ourselves and walk in fellowship. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, light with darkness, so Christ with Belial, you know. And if we get, well, if we find brothers or sisters that are uh, sliding into any of this darkness, we want to uh, be the friend that sticks closer than the brother, and we want iron to sharpen iron, and to sharpen the countenance of our friend, and we want to hold people accountable to the truth. Okay, uh, because uh, if we know that if men continue in these things, then verse 18 tells us that 
uh, there's a greater thing that they have to worry about, and it's not what anybody else says it does, but it's what will come from heaven to deal with that particular uh, habit of sin that they're in, which is called God's wrath and God's anger. Okay? All right. Let's move on down, you guys, uh, to the next verse. Okay? We're going to go with what the Bible calls uh, backbiters. Okay? Backbiters. Say that with me. Backbiters. Okay? What is a backbiter? Okay? It is a person who, number one, defames. It is also defined as an evil speaker. Well, what is an evil speaker? It's a person who talks against. The definition is talkative against. Okay. So it kind of goes hand in hand with slander, uh, but a backbiter is a little different. It's a little bit more trickier. It's a little bit more pretense. A backbiter is a person who pretends to be cordial with you or pretends to be friends or pretends to be in agreement or in alliance or or they pretend to be for you in your face. Uh, but outside of your face and of your presence, uh, they turn around and they 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 launch at you or they come at you and they strike at you rather verbally or through action uh to harm to hurt to discredit to tear down to dishonor or to cause injury okay and this is why it's called backbiting because the bite does not come to your face it comes when you're going a different direction and you least expect it okay and it's important that again uh, we as believers uh, and as as people, just as you know, just just people in general, uh, that we do our best to walk in the utmost integrity, honor, and respect, and truthfulness. Uh, even if if things and what we're told to do in the Bible, even if things are not, if we didn't enjoy or something goes on between us and a particular person or whatever, you know, to have to to have the genuineness of heart and to choose truth to the degree that you're willing to go to that person one-on-one and to share these things between you and them alone uh, is really the, the way to go, okay? If we give them the impression that we are good with them and we turn around and we express our displeasure with them in the ears of another then at that point, we have just backbidden that person. We have given them the appearance that we're in agreement and unity, we're in love, and we're on one accord in their presence. But behind the scenes, uh, we have uh, made some. You said, well, what's the biting part? The biting part is when, when we communicate in the ears of another without communicating to the person. And when, what we're communicating to the, the next person about them is not esteeming, it's not honoring, it's not praising, it's not valuing, and it's not appreciating, okay? And that is what the Bible calls uh, backbiting, okay, or a slander as well. So as we move on down, you guys, let's go to this next word, okay? Haters of God. Say that with me, haters of God, okay? Now, this is unique uh, because this opens up an entire new possibility, and this is something that a lot of times we don't want to face as believers, that the heart can get to a place where it hates God, okay? There are people on this earth who who hate God. There are haters of God. Um, 
There are people and there is a condition of heart that can choose hatred toward God and hatred toward truth, hatred toward the light, hatred toward the Christ, okay, and also a hatred toward you and I, okay? So the Apostle Paul, up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, revealed to us that in our time and in our day that there are haters of God that exist. And we have to understand that when we are dealing with a God-hater or with someone who has the Antichrist spirit and who chooses that, that not everything is about deception. Not everything is about what they went through when they grew up. Not everything is about the trauma, the abuse, the pain that they suffered and endured. Not everything is about them not knowing the truth or them not experiencing love. Not everything is about the churches not preaching like they should be preached. Not everything is about enough love hadn't been shown to them. The truth of the matter is, is that you can have all of that and a person can still choose to hate God, okay, uh, from the heart. And also, and so we as believers have to be conscious of that as well. And we have to know that when we are dealing with God haters, okay, some people believe that if you do the right thing to a particular person, regardless of where they are, they'll choose Jesus and they'll come to the knowledge of the truth. And if they don't, that something has to be wrong at some point with the messenger. That's not true. If that was the truth, then God himself failed because he specifically gave the message to Adam in the garden not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but to eat of the tree in life. And Adam still did it and died and chose wickedness and chose darkness apart from God. And I don't think there's even a better messenger than God himself. You know, you can't get more anointed than the voice of the Lord walking, talking to you in the cool of the day. So not everything that that when people choose wickedness and when people choose darkness, it's not always somebody else's fault, okay? And so you have to watch out for blaming yourself. Is there something I should have did different or if I would have been able to bring it like this or share that? Now, the truth of the matter is, is that people have the free will to either love God or to hate God, okay? And this particular word means to be hateful of God, okay, or to be exceptionally impious and wicked, okay? And I have met people in different uh, organizations, uh, whether you call it cults, you call it Satanism, you call it Santeria, you call it witchcraft. I have met people that intentionally know what they're doing. Okay. Know who God is and know who Satan is, and they still choose to hate God, okay. to, to love unrighteousness and to hate righteousness, to love evil and to hate good. And so we have to understand that in our day that hearts can get to this place, and as time goes on, we'll begin to see that more and more, um, haters of God. It's important that us as believers that we don't allow uh, hatred for God to, to seep in one of the probably the greatest doorways for believers to be tempted to move into being a hater of God is when they release prayer requests or they have something that they're believing God for or and things don't go their way or, you know, the unexpected happens that's real sacred and dear to them and the narrative doesn't play out like they want it to play out and so it's easy for them to become bitter and then when comparison gets in, it's easy to become hateful. Uh, if they're not careful along that line. So it's important that we don't buy into any deception of the enemy and we don't allow hatred for God to rise from within us 
because of disappointment, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, okay? Uh, but anything that's sick can be healed. So just because you're disappointed, don't let your heart stay sick because God heals the broken in heart, healing, and binds up every wound. It's important that we move on and we begin to love God and to hate iniquity as well, okay? But wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all haters of God. Some haters of God do things to publicly disrespect God, you know, uh, to defame him. Uh, uh, sometimes you have people that are doing intentionally just way, way, way wicked stuff in order to basically flick God off or to be anti-God publicly and openly. And the Bible says that at some point God's anger and God's wrath, you know, will judge that. You know, God, mercy triumphs over judgment. It does, but not forever. Okay, at some point. You know, if people don't lay hold of mercy um, and make good of it, then the javelin of judgment will fall, okay, because God would not be mocked, okay? Be not deceived, whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap as well. And so let's move on down to another definition, you guys. Let's go to despiteful. Say that would be despiteful, okay? Uh, despiteful. Now, this particular word, despiteful, uh, means to be insolent, okay? Or, you know, let me add to it, a person who is lifted up with pride and a person who loves to heap insults against another through their language. So we call it in our day verbally abuse or verbal abuse, okay? Uh, and it's also a person who will publicly shame another, Okay, in order to hurt them or to injure them as well. Okay, and so you, you know when we when we look at this and we look at this this definition, um, another one word is a maltreater. Okay, a maltreater is known as an abuser. Okay, an abuser, and so we see that. The Bible speaks about abusers, even in definition, okay? Uh, someone who abuses, a wrongdoer, a person who transgresses another, one, another person morally or by civil law. And so this is intentional abuse. This is your narcissist. This is your abuser. This is your person that is intentionally doing things verbally in order to inflict harm. Uh, by heaping, you know what it means to heap? It means to pile up on a person, insult after insult after insult after insult, okay? It means to find every way possible to embarrass them or to shame them as well, okay, or to cause injury, to insult them, okay? Uh, most of the times, this particular insolence or being a maltreater uh, you know, or starting with our first definition, being despiteful, okay, can have its origin in what I really believe is selfishness, control, and witchcraft. Because typically when a person goes the extra mile to, it's one thing to release an insult every now and then. But the definition of a of a despiteful person was to heap insult 
after insult, or to make a pile, stone after stone after stone after stone after stone. And it's not just limited to verbal abuse. It also involves physical abuse. It involves certain demonic actions that are intentionally done to bring harm, to belittle, to devalue, to cause hurt or to cause shame. Okay? This is what the Bible calls being despiteful or being injurious, okay? injurious, okay? or to be a person that is out to cause another injury. Okay? And so it's important that uh, you and I, that we stay and that we steer clear away from um, depravity, okay? that, we spend, um, that we steer clear of being, number one, depraved and that we steer clear of being despiteful uh, because these two kind of go hand in hand. To be spiteful, you guys, I, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. I want you to allow yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about uh, any time that you have been the victim of this or any time that perhaps you may have yielded to the enemy or something on the inside of us may have rose up with the intention of abusing, hurting, insulting, or time after time after time after time after time after time. After time. I remember when David, King David, lost the kingdom, and there was a man that followed him, cursing him, day after day after day after day, insult after insult after insult after insult. It became so consistent that Joab, who was the captain of his army, was offended and hurt and wanted to go and kill the man for speaking against the king. Uh, but David, in his grace and with the great humility and wisdom that he had, didn't allow him to, but he permitted it, and he knew how to deal with uh, the insulter or the despiteful person, okay? I want to encourage you, if you've been the victim of that, uh, go back and read that story of King David and look at his perspective and his mindset, okay? It is a, it is a common belief, and I believe it's well-documented truth, that hurt people hurt people. And so typically those who, have, who become despiteful against others have been treated despitefully. And if that is you, and if it's, you know, if you just, you, you know, you get into mode certain times and things just come out and we do things that we know will hurt another person, and we know that's not of God and of Christ, and I want to encourage you to take this to God in prayer, praise God, and ask him for grace and for wisdom on how to esteem, on how to build up, and on how to speak life and strength instead of death and creating weakness and fragileness in people. Praise God. And I believe God will grace us all if we truly desire to be like him enough to do it. Well, God bless you. May he grace you and increase you time and time again. This concludes our study of Romans chapter number one. We will pick up on this study, Lord willing, on Friday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. God bless you and see you there.